do we want to say anything about like what are we going to say we're going to what can't we should just wing it well i I already started the recording oh okay well there you go (laughs) let's just wing it (laughs) oh my god nothing changes right actually everything has changed everything has changed what a uh what a really transformative i want to say crazy i want to say all these different things i don't know know. but but transformative time we're living in i mean yeah with with the pandemic with uh george George floyd Floyd. murdered here in our town Mm -hmm. in front of you know witnesses on the street i mean these things are serious yeah um and then the subsequent uh the subsequent necessary backlash to the that type of behavior. Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And and I. But I'll tell you, Jimsy. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that I don't think that living through transformational times was ever going to be easy. Like it does. Cha- people don't change. Well, they do. Easily. They do. Well, they don't change easily. They don't yes. change kind That's of right. systems and institutions and problems. Yeah. I relate this back to, because uh, now they're talking about disbanding the Minneapolis police. And I stuff. know. And I, I relate it back to our life, if you can remember, back to a time when we did construction. I, well. <laughs> I know, you're back at it a little bit right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I remember this morning. Yeah. Because <laughs> <So, laughs> we um, have multiple companies. We do. But... Yeah. Um, uh, but you know you can't you can't look at a, a a home that has issues that has been added on to reconfigured you know people have made poor choices along the way and it's just not functioning well it's not working for things you can't look at it and and assume that you're going to be able to repair it without first basically breaking it down. Exactly. We'd see this all the time. Sometimes you got to rip it apart and start over, That's which right. is exactly what's happening here. You know? Yeah. And sometimes you got to rip it. Sometimes you can, you can affect it by, yeah. you don't have to take the entire structure down, yep. but other times you got it. You whole have thing's to do gotta it. Yeah. go. Yep. And then you build a new. Right. Because so. it didn't work by trying to patch it. No. The patches <laughs> you know? have never really fixed the nope. underlying problem. Not at all. So, Well, so, um, welcome can, to the Legacy Matters. Oh, yeah. So we're, so doing we're just kind of doing a little intro. We are. But, I, you know, just in the, uh, just for old time's sake, can you give me a little weather report? I sure can. Yeah. So we are in June, and it is... It's a hot one in Minnesota today. <laughs> wow. I mean, scorching hot. It is. It is hot, humid, uh, 96 degrees, I believe, is the high today. And um, it's a cooker. It is. As they say. It is. As we say in Minnesota, it's a cooker today. So it's always one extreme to the other. Um, uh, yours truly does not do well in the heat. Like, yeah, you don't do. I, no. It's like I just, I, it makes me not function right. well at all you know i gotta tell you i'm not bad in the heat you do okay in the heat i actually do quite well do you yeah yeah mm-hmm. some people like it yeah I, i'm I like mean, yeah. way too minnesotan right like, like <laughs> there's only that one or two weeks on either side of spring and your you know summer or whatever like but spring so the yeah. one or two weeks in spring and fall that where i'm like now this is perfect weather right it's, you know, 65, 70 degrees during the day. 
Perfect. 45 at night, I'm just in heaven. Yeah. And <laughs> and when I say I do well, I mean, I do well, like, you know, like this morning was fine, and this afternoon, if I had to do something, you know, yeah. it's fine. But, like, but the duration of the day, then it kind of wears me out, especially at night. You oh, know? yeah. 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 It's time for the AC at night. Well, anyway, I feel, you know, I, I it was nice to hear a weather report. Yeah, it was nice to do it. So, <laughs> we've been on... COVID hiatus for a while. Yeah, I mean, well, we've we've had several things going on. Um, first of all, COVID threw everything into turmoil, and that's totally. understandable. Yeah, um, we've managed to we've managed to pull it together and put out uh, two or three of our past podcasts that we recorded right prior to yeah. COVID becoming a thing. Um, but we've we've struggled we've struggled to get more than one of us in the studio here right. to to just do some introductions. We've struggled with our own need to stay home and mm-hmm. do work. Social distancing. Social distancing, the whole thing. And then, and then also, uh, we have been working really hard the last month or so. Um, for, the, for those of you who use our Andalin product or know of our digital efforts, um, we have... We have been working hard to sort of describe the use of our kinetic digital library in a different way. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the hangups that we've run into is uh, explaining to people in different social communities like youth groups, uh, addiction recovery services, mm-hmm. um, camps, tribes, uh, we we work with addiction recovery high schools, yep. um, and especially now our latest, like really getting after this whole hidden history of cities right. project. Yep. Um, when when you talk about Andalin as a product, and then you tell them that we can build them an app like Andalin is, <laughs> get, everyone gets so confused. They go, well, "What's that going to cost? A million dollars? No." And how am I going to maintain quite. that? And what do I actually <laughs> right. own? And yeah, yeah. So, so over the last month or so, uh, if you want to check it out, we have created uh, PSBN, which is the Private Social Broadcast Network. And the idea behind that is, uh, if you're on your phone and and you push the Facebook button or the LinkedIn button or the Reddit button, essentially that's like going to a different channel. Um, if you ask me. So uh, those are broadcast channels, and we are creating broadcast channels for organizations that are organizations, institutions. Yeah, that that provide benefit to uh, their alumnus or their groups. So like, why would addiction recovery and camps and tribes and youth organizations all kind of fit in the same category? Um, It's because the proprietary tools that we build kinetic digital library uh q connect q connect and plus social q mm-hmm. these are are our reimaginings of how to create a digital social channel that people can access on their phone and i would maintain yep. that uh if if the last three months has taught me anything it's that my kids are going to be in the digital world I think, yeah, I think all of us are definitely going to be in the digital world. I know. I, I mean, mean, everything has changed. As we started school. the show and you started recording, and I'm like, what should we say? You know, it's I like know. everything has changed. 
everything has. I mean, you know, a national shutdown, you know, everyone's went digital overnight. I mean, everyone's doing Zoom meetings, you know. So all of these tools that that people are kind of familiar with, um, they're they're fine. But so many of them were built for either business or for adults in general. Yeah, and and they're built to not really... um, save your content and they they aren't you know many of them like facebook and instagram and twitter were were built to allow they purposefully allow fake accounts yeah and so if you're gonna if you've got a girl scout troop or a boy scout troop or a boys and girls club Mm -hmm. you know group association yeah i I forget they're they're interesting because they're not up here as much as they are right but we've been dealing with anyway if you've got a group like that and you tell me as a parent that, you know, your troop uh, just opened up a private Facebook group so that the kids could all hang out together. I'm still not letting my kid go to Facebook. Right. <laughs> like right. They have access to the rest of the world of Facebook. Yeah. So uh, really a lot of what we're doing on PSBN is uh, providing safe alternative digital spaces for organizations to communicate to their audience and to stay in touch with their alumnus and Mm -hmm. to uh, let kids have a a safe alternative. So those are, those are safe channels like PBS is a safe Mm -hmm. channel or Mm -hmm. PBS kids. That's what we've been working on. Yeah. So anyway, so we got a little caught up in, in working on that stuff and I'll tell you, uh, as a result of that, we have, I believe, eight podcasts. I know that need to go out, and and we are working. I, I love the idea of doing them in your backyard, yep. under the tent, mm-hmm. the umbrella. That's um, right. And it's going to be our new place to do podcasts. Yeah, at least for a while. You know, outside is a little bit safer. It's still social distancing. You yeah, know, I mean, we'll be we'll, able to sit apart we'll from be our guests, ten feet away from each yep. other. That's fine in the yep. out. In the out of doors, you know, yeah. that that Should makes work. it safe. Yep. Yeah. But so as we slowly bring back guests, new guests, um, and I know that those conversations are going to be interesting. I know that they are oh going gosh. to be, I mean, this is going to be, yeah, it's a, it's kind of a new world in a lot of ways. It is. So um, I am looking forward to those new ones, but we preserve memories. That's what we do. And there are, uh, like I say, seven or I think eight. Eight, eight conversations. That eight we conversations have. we had that we did not get. Released. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had trouble. And, yeah. But I don't want them. They're still important. And the people we've had on the show. Uh, I mean, Let's I've, go down the list. I've loved everyone who we've had on the show. So let's go down the list. Yeah. Um, so so these, are, these are the folks to uh, look forward to in the next few weeks that we're going to be releasing. Yep. And remember these, these conversations were recorded uh, just, just prior to, or right as COVID was becoming a thing. Yeah. The last one we're going to mention here was right the next day, COVID banned. Like everything shut down. Lockdown. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really interesting. It was. Um, And And still is. I mean, yeah. It hasn't gone away. No, of course it hasn't gone away. And, and each of us, as I look down this list, I can kind of remember yeah. each subsequent person coming in mm-hmm. and us talking just a little bit more yeah. about, like, remember we were right. bumping elbows and stuff. and With uh, Steger when he yeah. came in. That was, I think, the first one. So, yeah. yeah. So, we'll go down the list here. Will Steger was the guy that came in right 
somewhere in here in this list, but yeah, I think we released them. But that was the first one where we didn't hug, no handshakes. Aww. It was an elbow bump. Yeah. Yeah. I liked, I, you know, I'm just a hugger. I can't I know. help it. I, I know. But anyway, so uh, our first our first guest in this group, and I'm not sure the exact order we'll put these out. Right. Um, it may very well be this order. That's fine. This is order of them coming into the studio, so mm-hmm. it kind of makes sense. Uh, but Kendra Raish now. Yep. Uh, we had a good conversation well, with her. It was great. And she She's helped funny. develop um, one of the comp- local companies here. It was uh, the clothing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got a... It's got for a sunblocking. Funny name. It does have a funny name, right? Yeah. It, oh, it's the it's a tree in Australia. <laughs> yes. Is that yes, right? Yes, I think so. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yep. Oh crap! I remember what that. What was it? Uh, but now we're in the peak of summer. It's a hundred degrees out, and I and I thought of Kendra over this I, weekend. Actually, because, that's funny because yeah. I was like, God, you know, I could probably being so fair, fair skin. skin, I burn instantly. Yeah. Um, but I was like. I think I might need to reach out to Kendra and get like a shirt or something. Yes, and I remember she's got a she's uh, she's not from around here. If I'm not right. mistaken, she she came here from California, right? She did. Did we already put her up? San Francisco, San Francisco. I don't think we did. I, I don't well, think we put her up. I think if, I wrote if, up. I wrote, if, I know what happened. I wrote up her intro. Yeah, for the thing, but we haven't got it up. Okay. Yet. So anyway, Kendra's great. Yep. So uh, we'll look forward to that. Yep, and I remember she's she's kind of sarcastic. She is very yeah, kind of, kind of s- funny, smarty pants, yeah, smart aleck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Trisha Nissen, uh, who is wow, sort I mean, of yeah, I yeah, mean, you can't beat can't beat what she does. No, so uh, her her company is uh, Storyography by Trisha, and she how timely is this? She records the stories of people's lives yeah. for posterity's sake. Right. So, I mean, definitely give that one a listen. I mean, you should listen to all of them, obviously. Yeah, she's but pretty amazing. That was a great interview, and she is so super sweet. Uh, not sweet, the next one, right. Legacy Matters Live with, with Klecko. Uh, Danny. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, so that, that, was, that was a classic live show at the 331, where you know we're drinking and talking and just kind of having a good good time um one of the highlights for me i think for all of us was when uh we got presents oh yes you know we we got presents and that was kind of a nice thing danny came in and uh you know gave us all a little book yeah, and, 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 and put a lot of thought into it. But Lori you know? Lindine was there, too. That was the funniest part of it. Of like, course, of course. Yeah, yes. it's not all about Danny's book. It's But everything's all all about Danny when you do something it with is. Danny, right? It is. I mean, what was so fun about that was that he he really kind of took took over. Yeah. You know, he's like, well, if right. you guys aren't going to lead this, I'll, I'll do the intros and stuff. Yeah. And he did a great job. He's clearly, Fantastic. clearly done all that stuff. But... Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, it, was it was a lot fun. of fun. It was. It was. It was those, kind of both a, those two folks are so sweet. Kind of so. a little bit of a shit show, but in a great way. Love it. Was it. Fun. Love yeah. it at the three three one. All right, then we've got uh, Julie Burton. Yeah. Uh, whose company is Modern Well. I am hoping that they are doing well. I know they were really on a roll when she when we talked to her. Huge role. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure that uh, that is a shared workspace environment. Yep. Which, and I'm sure that there's you know. The, 
that sort of thing is probably a little bit tough right now. Yeah. I mean, look at all the workspaces seem to be kind of empty. So yeah, well, wishing her the best. Right, all the companies. I mean, are kind of stay at home if you can. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I have no idea what that's like, and and certainly um, we'll put this one up. It was a great conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, maybe we can have her back at some point and talk talk about what the new reality is. Maybe six yep. months down the road or something. Um, we had Twyla Dang, uh, that is Matriarch Digital Media. She super, she founded that. Super interesting, yeah. Yeah, and uh, she's got a lot going on. A lot of they, I, there's basically a digital media company putting out podcasts, um, sort of of by and for uh, people of color, and yep. I think especially minority women, right? Right. Yep, that's um, correct. And yeah, really, I think it's really, all women that she has. I think so. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, it's been so long since we had that conversation, but I do. She, she impressed upon me, uh, just, she's a very eloquent speaker and really intelligent lady and great, great guest. I remember enjoying that conversation a lot. For sure. Um, Ellen Stanley, mother banjo. Yep. Um, very that was a fun cool. one. Yeah. 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 Super. I mean, she just reminds me of so many people I know. I mean, who knew the banjo could be cool, right? <laughs> I think that's what I took away. I was like, okay, the banjo's cool. All right. Well, I, that was a, I remember that being a very uh, kind of soothing, it was a fun conversation. It was. like makes you feel good about life. She's quite a wonderful person. And then we had Charlie Bruber, who is a local bass player slash uh, big advocate for the Twin Cities metro area, mm-hmm. I would say. Yeah, runs, kind of takes care of a, uh, well, he's got some buildings, I think, in his family's. Yeah, understands the history of of our buildings over in the North Loop, formerly yeah. the warehouse district. Yeah, you know, um, Charlie's was was uh, the one. It was the last one, the day before. It was. We had like sort of this announcement where stay home. Yep. Right before COVID, and I remember Charlie came in, and we were talking about like, hmm. What do you think? Is this real? Is this yeah, not? Is this, I know. Is this, this, this going to be a big thing? Oh, God. And then, I mean, we said, see ya. And, <laughs> and then everything shut sudden, down. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, it, I, I'll have to listen to all of these myself just to put myself back into the mindset of, of oh, what yeah. it was like. And then we did one, uh, you and I and Sarah mm-hmm. kind of... Maybe that was a month ago, month and a yeah, half ago. Yeah, I think so. We kind of all, it was, you know, it was when we were trying to figure out if we could fire things back up. And right. I'm not going to say that it's our best episode. Uh, it's not. It's well, not. but I, I think what's but interesting it, okay. about it. Yeah, I think what's interesting about it is I think if I were to go back and listen to that, I think you would be able to kind of hear the the searching, the questioning the anxiety that we were all facing at the time for sure of you know can we do shows together like this anymore or do we need to figure something else out like, and what can they be here at the studio yes. can they be or should they be at the park or something like that right. or and i remember we were talking about like can we do them on zoom but that's not really our style that's not we really, have to be in front of people we, we do because you know it's it's so uh spontaneous and yeah, kind of we, we react to each other so you know, it just doesn't work over Zoom. No, uh, I agree. So, you know, we're, uh, I, I know that we, we did that one and just, 
you know, just to put it out there, we will throw it out there. So yeah. Sarah's going to kill me because I was supposed to do a quick introduction. Oh, is that, is that what she said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who cares what she says? <laughs> That's horrible. I don't mean that. I totally don't mean that. God, now that sounds, now that it even sounds worse now that I said that. I do care what Sarah thinks. Oh my God. I know Big you just trouble. got yourself in so much trouble. Oh, uh, that's great though because uh, she knows exactly what we mean by that. We I know. Uh, when when Sarah is here to rein us in, right? Then we do a certain thing. Yeah. But when she should know better than to tell me to do a quick intro, because then know. we're just gonna sit here and babble away. Well, then we just sit here and talk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> right. So <laughs> so if you're listening to uh, one of these eight it looks like podcasts that we're going to throw out here in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. just to get them back out and hopefully get our our podcast engine fired back up uh you don't have to listen to this each of the eight times it's going to be the same for each of right those you can just shows. fast forward it yeah. you go about 20 minutes in you'll get rid of us and yeah be on with the show um really all uh, right again so last month our audience was the the number of subscribers we had was the highest it's ever been. Yeah, and that's pretty amazing. It Thank is. Thank you for listening. Everyone. Yeah. We, Thanks for subscribing, I should say. Thanks for pushing that all button. Of all of it. Yeah. Thanks for the comments, too. Yeah. And sharing with your friends and, yep. you know, and just sitting through these things with us. I know a lot of you, a lot of you throw it on and leave it on in the background and miss half the stupid crap we say, but that's fine. Whatever. That's all right. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> And uh, we wish you all well. We do. And um, hopefully everyone is doing well in these challenging times. Yeah. Or just, I, I mean, you know, I mean. Honestly, reach out if, if there's anything, I mean, whatever. Anything Legacy Matters can do. Yeah, you know? truly. If I, there's someone that you want to have on the show, send us a link. Give us yep. a shout out. We'd be more than happy. If, if there's even a topic you'd like us to talk about sort of look into and talk about we're we're happy to do it i think you know we're i mean this is all about you the community it's every it's the community that we live in that's how we draw our guests yeah and this is i mean the legacy of our city and the legacy of our time you know we we truly care about that stuff so yeah reach out to us if there's anything that uh, you'd like to hear from us or like to say to us we appreciate it all right all right all right Here comes the regular old intro music and uh, our usual stuff and our current guest. Take care. Bye. Hey, everyone. Happy to have you here for another episode of Legacy Matters. Today, as usual, we will talk about whatever comes up with a slight leaning toward discussions of preserving your legacy, preparing for things to come, and sharing stories we find amusing. Welcome to Legacy (laughs) Matters. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Yep. It's uh, me and Sam. Uh, Sarah is gone today. She's in... Uh, we'll say cheese curd country. Cheese curd country. Yeah. yeah. I don't so she means, but what well, usually means Scotty. Well, I was going to say Wisconsin, but yeah, 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 the land of cheeses, land of cheese. Yeah. Small, so small meat sticks. Yep. So Sarah's doing that. Uh, we're still in February, 
It's sunny. It's nice and bright out today, but it's still chilly. When's summer coming? But it's dry. It actually feels great out there. We were talking. It's like 35 degrees out there right now. No, it's not. It's 18. 20, 25. Sorry. My bad. Well, right in the middle then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's still chilly. Whatever. Anyways, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. We appreciate the comments. Thanks for all the great comments. And I got thanks a, for a the text today from shitty a, comments too. Yeah. yeah. I got a text from a friend. Uh, said oh i haven't really had a chance to listen to your shows but i just started listening because now i commute all the time and they're great and i'm like oh thanks so that's nice that's nice it's hard to believe but it's nice our guests usually carry the show so yeah we don't know what what this all means like other than other than we're having conversations with people which i like but Mm -hmm. uh, other than that you know it it is what it is have enjoy it or don't i guess (laughs) Uh, uh, sounds good wow okay sam well that was a little weird but now you're going to introduce our guest who's she's like wow you guys are we do have a guest we have a guest uh we have twyla dang in here today hello twyla thanks for coming in no problem happy to be here i feel like i need to work on you guys like so that your confidence in this entity that you've built is higher I want you, you to know. In, I know, right? I want you to well, embrace it a little minute. more. We, we do need we to play do games that. a little bit, though. Yeah, yeah. But I, mean, I want you to. But I want you to really like own the space that you're in. I like you know, that. I'm I'm yeah, somewhat like intimidated that. by you because you're kind of all pro, and you know. Oh, listen, I'm. <laughs> I listen. All, all pro is is a very loose term. Well, I think so. I'm, I mean, I, I mean, I'm. How I, all I, pro are you? I because I told you I don't do a lot. Of that's research, right. You so don't. I, but I like, do. No, I own a whole so network I, of things. Yeah. Well, Listen. I so I own a media company called Matriarch <laughs> Digital Media. Okay. Um, that makes you all pro right there. Yeah. So our um our flagship piece of the network is a podcast network called Matriarch. So we make women centered, women focused podcasts. Right now, we almost do too because we <laughs> interview so many more women than we do men. I just enjoy it more. I don't know. We like to talk. Yeah. So it works. Well, and we both have, you know, I, I, the whole masculine feminine thing. I kind of want to, I don't, I want to blow that apart a little bit as far as I, it's what we deal well with women. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I'm more feminine than, and it's like, I feel like strength is as a man. Mm-hmm. Masculinity is just being de- decent. I tell my kids this all the time. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like being nice and kind is a very strong trait, whether you're masculine or feminine, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we talk a lot about being um, good humans. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mind so. you, are also women, and I have a very particular focus on wanting women to hold the place in the world that they should hold. I, I We're mm-hmm. right there with you, Yeah, honestly. we don't have enough of that. That's, we don't, and I think the, the world will be a better place when we get it. Well, I'm working steadfastly. <laughs> you are. Yes. So you have a media company. Yes, I do. Okay. And what do you do with this media um, Well, we make women-centered, women-focused content. Um, our mission is very simple. We're going to change. We are actively changing the way the world talks to and talks about women and girls. Great. Um, we're 50% of the population, and we produce 100% of the population. We're not treated <laughs> like we do that, and we deserve to be treated better. Wow. So, that's right. You do. <laughs> yes, 100% yeah, of the population. Yeah, we do. Was, the first time I said that, um, I had a whole room full of people stop and go, what? And then they went, oh, yeah. And I said, exactly, Just, just you like guys. what just happened to me. Yeah, it's like, because you don't really think about it in that no. context. And I said, and I said, so think about that. Like, sit with that for a second. We make humans. Yeah. And we're still actively fighting to be considered 
on an even keel in almost every area of our lives to men. That seems ridiculous. And it's not that we should have more, but we should absolutely have equal. Mm. Oh, and how yeah. do we start to do that? So, we talk about equity all the time. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actively trying to make sure that women understand that. Um, the key way I'm thinking about doing it is making sure that we change the way that we think about ourselves and talk about ourselves and conduct ourselves with one another because we pretty much live under a very specific social contract that we've all sort of, you know, secretly agreed to a long time ago yeah, right. that says, you know, all kinds of dumb things from women aren't as capable as men or women don't help other women. I mean, there's all these dumb things. Yeah. And I just realized, yeah, I mean, yeah. And that's <laughs> I the like thing. talking about them because I think us doing this show has sort of made like, we're both kind hearted people. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think it's made me a better person because I've learned, I've learned new ways of speaking with different groups, uh, whether that's women, you know, men, Native Americans, people of color, whatever. I've learned more about kind of the things that I maybe didn't realize were institutionally bad and had been there all my life because they're just sitting there in front of you. You don't even know. Right. Well, and when you live in a system where you're not specifically sort of pushed down by those systems, you don't see it. It's not as clear and easy to see it. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, that's what I'm pointing at all the time. It's like, listen, these are all things that we don't actually have to conform to. The the biggest sort of revelatory point in my adult life came when I realized this, that whole system's bullshit, and I can decide tomorrow that it doesn't apply to me. Yep. And once it stopped applying to me, all the everything opened up. You know, my thinking opened up, my ambition opened up, my drive to do this and to change things opened up, and my desire to bring other women with me while I was doing it absolutely opened up. Yeah, this is a relatively common theme around here. I'm telling yeah, you, I can imagine. I, I, I can we, imagine. I mean, <laughs> well. Y- it for Julie sure Julie Burton in so yesterday you, was talking a lot of the same stuff. I don't know if you know who she is. But uh-huh. I know of her. Modern well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't, well, we'll probably, I think we're, we're on a collision course to formally meet in like a month. Where yeah. I'm going to be doing an event there in a month. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. That's so how stuff. did you get into this? How did, well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Are you from Minnesota? Nope. Sure okay. not. Okay. <laughs> not All right. I'm not from? a Minnesotan. I've been here too long not to claim it, but I don't claim it. Okay. Um, so I was born in Detroit. Okay. Um, we only lived there until I was four. My dad was an auto worker, mm-hmm. and we got out of Detroit when it started to go bad. Um, and then we moved to Pennsylvania, and my dad was a steel worker. Okay. So we all know what happened to the steel yeah, mills. That one didn't go very well either. Nope. Yeah. Um, and so we wound up settled in Virginia. So I always like to say I'm northern by birth and southern by... Where in Virginia? Um, just outside of Charlottesville. It's a little town called Stanton. Okay. Yep. Yeah. My, my wife did an internship. Uh, lived with my two boys in in Roanoke for a while. Yep, I lived right in in between Charlottesville and Roanoke. Okay, mm-hmm. that is yeah, exactly I kind of know that area. It's 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 the South down there. Oh, it's full on, full <laughs> yeah. tilt. Mm-hmm. I had a, I had a beautiful accent when I moved here. I had a beautiful wide mouthed <laughs> accent. Um, but I had to learn. I had taught myself when I was probably maybe nine or ten to drop accents because we would move so much um, oh. that, you know, you'd get someplace and your accent's the first thing kids pick on the way of you course. talk. Mm-hmm. So um, I used to watch newscasters on TV. That's pretty much the speaking voice mm-hmm. I use now. Um, and then that way I could drop accent no so matter where I went. Your- mm-hmm. When I'm at home for more than three days, the Southern comes back out. Or if I'm really mad, the Southern comes back <laughs> That's out. That's really funny because I, it brings up a memory. I forget that uh, when my, when my, you know, eldest son moved back to Minnesota. It was, uh, 
April, May, June, July. Yeah, like, July. Uh-huh. July. July. Yeah, like when he was five or six. Super uh-huh. July. He lost it. But. Yeah, my I, my husband used to get really tickled when my dad would call the and when we had answering machines, and my dad would always like um, he would always say, uh, "It's your daddy," <laughs> or he'd say, "Hey, darling, it's oh, your daddy." Yeah. You know, and I would just, it, I mean, I i love my dad's accent. He's like, he's got a super honey dipped, like North Carolina yeah. accent. It's perfect. I love, I love it. Too. Yeah. I love those accents. So when did you move here? Um, I came here for college. So okay. I came here at 18 um, by myself. Uh, went to Hamlin in St. Paul. Uh, how'd you uh. pick Minnesota? Um, I was trying to go as far away from home as possible. <laughs> and okay, my parents said I couldn't go as far as I wanted to go. <laughs> Minis- uh, I'd seen Hamlin and had talked, actually had called the campus and like had asked some questions about the psych department because that's what I was looking at. And um, my mom uh, um, has a long-term disability. And so her neurologist said to her, oh, you can let her go to Minnesota. It's super cold there, nothing. She can't get into any trouble. <laughs> Because it's he, so cold. Yeah, he here. literally said it snows all that he went to the U of M for med school. So okay. he goes, It's super cold there. She she can't she'll hardly be able to get in any trouble there. That's real sweet, but not necessarily true. <laughs> no, it was turned out to be not true at all. Yeah. But my parents let it go. So yeah. I so I left. They probably thought you were going to Alaska or something. It it that's what it seemed like. Um, yeah. my mom, um, back in the heydays of people throwing money at stuff, Hamlin flew me up here. To oh. come check out the campus. This is like like ninety ninety one ninety two. Yeah, and um, so we they flew me and my mom up here, and you we must were have here. been really like been get super really smart. good grades. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that we're is... not going to pretend like that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like I'm like was, what they I, flew you up here? Yeah, That's I, pretty. I should probably not be saying this out loud on the podcast. I'll probably get in trouble for it because they oh, probably weren't well, supposed no to do it No one listens. At the time. Don't worry oh. about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we were here for like three days and the whole time my mom was just like not really like engaged mm-hmm. and I kept going, oh, she's not going to let me stay. And I was like, is it like, is something going on? Like why, what's, what's going on? And she goes, am I having a good time? And I was like, I don't know. And she said, better question. If I'm having a good time, do you get to stay? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. What do you need? What, do you, what, what can I get you? And then she pretty much just said, listen, um, I'm only here because your dad wants one of us to actually see this with their own two eyes. But I knew from the second you came to us that this is where you that you wanted to leave. I'm not going to stop you from leaving. Uh-huh. Was there fear? Fear of like you being that far away? Or, yes. Or, for or my Minnesota parents. Absolutely. Particular? Absolutely. Um, not Minnesota in particular, but being far away. Okay. Both of my parents don't fly. Okay. Um, both of them aren't weren't used to having any of us like in an area where there was no family to speak of so the other schools i was looking at i would be either like right next to a town with a bunch of relatives or Mm -hmm. like within a three or four hours of my parents so this is a big deal yeah i don't know hamlin but it seems like a pretty idyllic oh yeah yeah i mean mean, it was it well here's the thing it was a perfect little spot but it was also nestled in what was a giant city compared to where we came from sure yeah and i don't think any of us really thought about what that meant when i left because i got here and was like there's a buses you guys (laughs) was there snow on the ground when you were here no no i came here in like time i came here literally like may oh Uh, yeah so it was a perfect so it's like a spring day (laughs) Uh you know just beautiful (laughs) yeah it was like sucker like as soon as i got here and and i had seen snow before but it was like i mean detroit's no joke detroit's 
Yeah, but I was too little to even really register oh, Detroit snow. Uh-huh. Pennsylvania had good snow, so we would see. And then yeah, in Virginia, like, we'd pray for snow. We'd be like, "Come on, Christmas snow!" And then by like <laughs> two days later, it'd be seventy. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it, it was a the weather was an adjustment. I had never really lived in like bitter cold before. And you've been up here ever since. Yeah, we left for a couple years. My husband, uh, we met in college, so we left for a couple okay. years, came back. But he's a Minnesotan, so okay, is, it's in his blood. Yeah, he's a Duluth boy, so this is oh. the south. Oh, I live St. <laughs> Paul, Minneapolis is the south. Yeah, right. No, well, if he's from Duluth, I mean, he knows. He's cold. always warm. I yeah, mean, he's that's yeah. nothing. <laughs> yeah, he he loved and like I said, he loved it up there. So it was yeah. so, like for a few years, it's like we could move. I'm like we can't move up there. Right, I love it's you, but we can't world. do that. It is. It's a very different. <laughs> world. It's a it's a lovely city. <laughs> it is, it, but it's like a commitment. Oh yeah, it's that's yeah. yeah. I mean, for years, my mother-in-law lived up there until three years ago. She lived up there the entire time I've known her, and you know, we'd spend every major holiday up there, yeah. and it was a lot. It was like Happy Thanksgiving. Who wants to go stand outside and go see Christmas lights? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> wow. Right. So you would go to Duluth for Christmas? Um, we do Christmas. We do Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah that's like a major. real trip. That's mm-hmm. like that's the real deal. Yeah, that's that's it commitment. Is. Yep, it is. <laughs> I mean, we I mean, we always said that's we're family. So uh, yeah. family. We spends the holidays together. I didn't. I wrestled the. I wrestled Christmas away from everybody when we had kids. I was like, I have one request. Yeah, you know, Christmas at home. It, yeah, it, it's no I falls though. I'll tell you. Like no what international. Oh falls. yeah. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. We have like, some friends. Is an well, we city. have yeah. We have folks from friends that live in Ely, yeah. and we you know we've gone up there to see them, and I'm like. You live here on purpose, <laughs> but it's really. Cool. I mean, it's it's gorgeous. It's just it's so it feels so isolated. It feels it is. so isolated. Yeah, there are, there are still a few pockets of Minnesota where I show up and I go, should I be here when it gets dark outside? I feel like maybe now. <laughs> All right, I should probably Aww. come on back. <laughs> that's too bad. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, mind you, I'm from Virginia, so I absolutely know there are pockets of Virginia where I shouldn't be at after dark. I, you know, I was really surprised. Being a northerner being mm-hmm. from Minnesota, uh, and I've spent a lot of time in a lot of different places, but never to the south, south. Oh, yeah, yeah. But down in Roanoke, like, I kind of got myself in trouble because I didn't realize that the town was segregated. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's straight up segregated, mm-hmm. too. There's, and, and it's weird because there's, like, there's multiple classes that get segregated because it's, it's not just people of color on one side, whites on the other. It's... it's uh, Socioeconomic. Oh yeah, there's the rich side of town and the poor side of town, and then there's the black side of town and the white side of town. Yeah, and both sort of those like the, subdivide. Mm-hmm. Right. There's mm-hmm. sort of the, like the the poor the poor black side, the poor white side. Yep. And the, yeah. Right. Completely. And and I <laughs> like I don't know. Right. So I I end up like oh I'll just swing by this bar. And yeah. No, you won't. In, like <laughs> no, you won't. Through the door and it was like kid. I don't think so. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yep. That's uh, um, should I leave? <laughs> You don't you really don't want me here, do you? <laughs> there are like there are pockets down there that only like in the last like fifty years that they legally changed the names of the areas, and the names had like despicable name you know slurs really? as a part of the name of the area, and that's how they referred to it. That's how everybody referred to it. And I remember just being. I mean, it was I was very specific, but because by the time I got down there, I was like almost twelve years old, so sure. it was like. Yeah, this is not going to be for it ain't me. Working. I'm going to have to. You're I'm like, going to have to go. No. <laughs> yeah, and it's and you know I said we you know absolutely my parents taught us you know to look out for ourselves and you know you you don't get raised in a black household and get a full without a full education of what the world is you're going to be walking into. Uh, and that even happens here. 
it's yeah i mean it happens everywhere crazy. yeah you have to teach you know you have to teach your kids you know what world they're actually walking into i know um but you know it was and i i still say this and i still maintain it even after all this time here in minnesota i'll take the, i'll take the south over the north in terms of that because at least it's up front right it's not uh, up front here yeah, right yeah. no i mean it's true it's it was we talk about this all the time too but it was it's sort of so well hidden through generational stuff that i like because i worked in uptown when i first moved to the cities like i grew up in a completely white little town of elk river right you know mm-hmm. there was there it, uh, i'll get myself in trouble but there can be no racism where there is no race really in a certain no way. there's just when, a very big pocket of ignorance yeah, yeah. When you're, when you're a i kid. met a lot of those kids when i got to college yeah. yeah when you're a kid like i i didn't know racism because there was no race it mm-hmm. was just white you know everyone was the same so and then you get older and you're like oh this isn't the way the world actually works exactly like, like now i get that you know some of my some people I know weren't very nice, you know, and there's a reason why things were this way. And I just never felt it because I always felt like we all get along. Everyone's fine, right? Yeah. We used to get a lot of that in school. Yeah. That was a lot. I mean, mind you, it was also the same kids that had so detached, like, our humanity from our race that they would do things like put their hands in our hair randomly, you know, because no. <laughs> they thought that's just, you know, like, I like just wanted to touch it. Like, you could just do that? Yeah. I mean, I had a girl when I was probably 18, 19, walked up to me in the cafeteria and just literally put her entire hand like, in my head. Like, didn't know you? Never met me uh, in her life. Uh, to yeah. this day, I don't know her name. She put her hands in my head and was, like, rooting around. And everybody at my table were, you know, you know, it was a bunch of kids from, like, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, were, like, about to pop up. And I was like, yeah. hold on. <laughs> there's got to be a reason for this. No, right. there's no reason. And I, you know, and I asked her, I'm like, can I help you? And she's like, I just... Um, she goes, I just wanted to know what it would feel like. And I said, well, that's great, but I'm a person. <laughs> but you could ask. And the second I said, I'm a person, it was like she woke up. Like yeah. she didn't realize that she had She so... was just like completely glossed over. Yeah, like right? she, just she just did not like... realize that there was no, like I actually deserve agency as a person. And she panicked and took her hand out of my head and apologized and took off running. And I'm almost 46 years old. I'd never seen her again. Right. And that right. was like when I was 19. I've, I've almost very, very close to having done that with pregnant ladies. Oh yeah, you can't. I, like, I, I can't. No, yeah, I'm it's serious, true though. though. It's serious. true. I, it's like an. It's almost an urge, an uncontrollable urge. Like I'm so. I've never had that urge. Yeah, but I don't. I'm different, right? Well, you don't. You don't have your own children. I didn't do that before I had children, right? It, it was after I saw all of this go through. Then this thing crept in where now, like before I had children, I thought. Pregnant ladies, like scary, staying away from that. Right? Oh, okay. So right. you're just like overly invested once you had kids. But now that I have kids, I'm just like, oh, look at you. You're so beautiful and you're glowing and you're you're giving birth to the future. You know, like, yeah. I can't, I sort of can't. I, yeah, I still don't. I still couldn't. Yeah. I'm, oh, no, I'm, I don't do it. Yeah, I don't yeah, do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I urge you just don't do it. No, okay. I right. don't do it. I'm yeah. just telling you the urge has been there where I'm like, well, Jesus, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, I mean, I have to, I mean, that's, that's the kind of stuff I mean, I have to teach my children. My husband's Vietnamese and my daughter, my, so my children are biracial. And I have, I had to teach my children early on, like how to tell people don't, you're, please don't touch me. Yeah. Because they, they do, people do all kinds of ridiculous things. Like they'll walk up and like pet my kids like they're dogs. I have a six year old sister. Long story. <laughs> but say, oh. Indeed. <laughs> uh, super cute. Very blonde. Mm-hmm. Right. And when when they uh, when she travels, 
uh, like down in Mexico, people walk up to her and just touch her hair. Oh yeah, exactly. It, like and it's, it's the same. It's like a human. It's a. It's it, a weird thing. It's a weird thing, and it's like one of those things where if it happened to you, you'd have a fit but you don't think about it in the moment and how it connects to another person. That's no. why I'm always teaching my children about like what, you know, like that's even that expression of like being good humans is something I'm very specific about with my kids because totally. I'm like, we're all actual human beings. So if you want, want somebody doing it to you, you don't do that to them or common sense should kick in at some point. Or if someone doesn't like, even when I talk to them about how they, um, engage with the world in terms of, you know, cause sometimes people are racist. Sometimes people are ignorant, but you sure. get to decide in that moment how you engage with it. It's not your job to teach them. It's not your job we to extend that kindness. Too, right? I said, you can, if you'd like. Sure. And oftentimes I do because I can some, most of the time I can see past, you just have a, you know, a messed up view of the world versus no one taught you about the world. Sure. Um, but that also isn't my work. It's not my job. Like no, it's, it's like, I, and I tell my kids, that's not a burden you have to take on. If you don't want to explain to somebody, time. well, it's, it's not even about your time. It's about your, um, your mental and emotional capacity mm-hmm. to, you know, like how much do I have to give you're, we're, you're, we're both reasonably intelligent. You can go find things out if you don't know them. The idea that you're walking around the world at any age of significance and haven't put these things together is sad for you but not my responsibility to fix for you. Sure. Um, sometimes my job is to say, you need to go do some work for yourself yeah, and you then have to leave out. it at that. Sometimes it's, okay, let's sit down and have a conversation. Sure. Like I'd write, I, you ask me the question. I, I, I want to answer that question for you so you don't make this mistake again. Well, we, he and I, like, like something I've, we've learned, both of us, through doing this, we take a picture at the end of the show, right? Mm-hmm. And like, I think of, I'm kind of a hugger, you know. I can't help it. Yeah, you're that's a, but that's you're a toucher a and a hugger. Thing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a cultural thing, though. Yeah. I'm a hugger. I'm a Southern person, so yeah. yeah, we hug people. Minnesotans don't do that. Minnesotans hug at the shoulders, and they, it's like three pats on the back, a little pat on back the back. Up. Yeah, that's I had why, to, that, I had to actually learn to stop looking people directly in the eye when I talk to them continuously because m- Midwesterners get freaked out by that. Oh. They so, like yeah. it when you break eye contact and look at look down and look away. They that's how they process. When you're right. staring, they're like, "What's why are you staring at what, me like that? What's like, happening? That. What's happening?" So I'm trying to pay attention <laughs> to you. I'm sorry. But that's a weird thing. I mean, growing up, I mean, my parents were always like, "Look someone in the eye. Don't you know? Don't look away. Mm-hmm. You know." But yes, people do do that. Well, you know? and now I mean, we we realize that, like, I realize I can't just assume that everyone who comes in here wants me to hug them when we're done with this and I can't assume that when we take a picture that so I that's put been my a big arm that's, them. that oh, definitely yeah, is yeah. a big thing yeah. right and now and I've learned to ask and it's like it, like once the you know revelation or whatever comes to you you're like oh well shit I, I really should ask you know it's not like a, it's <laughs> it's not a big deal for me to say hey is it okay I'm intending to put my arm around you and take this picture but I don't have to if you don't want to you know see but I think that's a that very much winds up sort of um, harkening back to like that male female dynamic like mm-hmm. women honestly women 90% of the time ask because we're used to being put in a position where we're uncomfortable so we sure. think to ask before anything happens because yeah. we're always like I wouldn't put you in the position I've been put in and a lot time, a lot of times not off, not always, but a lot of times um, it's that's not a position you, as a man you get put in where you were made to feel uncomfortable that way oh, oh except 
I worked at Filio, and I, I mean, the number of times I got guys grab my ass. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Him too. <laughs> well. No, I'm serious. Uptown, Uptown is a different joint, right? Well, I mean, it is, I mean, back. Is, how far back are we talking? We're talking, We're talking 80s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Even when I first got there in the 90s, it was still kind of like, somebody it, drove us around Uptown, and I was thinking, this is amazing. My mom was like, this is sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I was there in the 90s, but yeah. yes. It I was, was there in I the mean, 80s and the, and the 90s. I mean, yes. but. A lot of ass slapping and hey, you know, honey. And I'm like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I I'm thought it was comp- kind of sweet. I was like, Aww. oh, you know. I, I think, you know, that's not to say that that my situation and even those instances are the same as one. Yeah, you really can't I'm still, compare them. I'm still actually. a pretty big guy. Like, I'm not. I'm it's not, totally two different things. It's not physically things. alarming it's, to me. It's just the number of times it's no. happened. Like, yeah, we're like, oh. Well, but it's kind of, but it's that thing that will inform your experience that's moving right. forward, right? I mean, a yeah. lot of a lot of men don't actually have anything that informs no. the experience, right? Oh, and it would scare the living crap out of them yeah. if someone did that, and yeah. and that's the point you're making, actually. Yeah, exactly. You it's know? that like that's that is our learned experience. I mean, yeah, probably from the time I was you know old enough to have explained when I walk by myself somewhere, you know, what sure. I'm supposed to be looking out for, and you know what girls have to do or how girls have to conduct themselves, totally different which is world. like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of whatever, what I hope will have to, you know, it'll stop and we won't need it to exist. Mm-hmm. Probably won't be in my lifetime, but I'm working really hard so that in my children's and hopefully grandchildren's lifetime, it's a different paradigm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think no matter what happens, no matter how good we as humans, as a society sort of become, there'll always be the need to be somewhat vigilant for yourself in in any situation, whether you're a man or a woman, because there's there's always going to be an element that doesn't play the yeah, game. Yeah, but the way. vigilance, even in that element, is different than a societal understanding of that element. Like yes. I think we we what we what we need to be working toward is moving culture so that it's so that we have a higher standard for everybody across Correct. the board. We don't have a high enough standard right now. No. We're still debating. You know, when we're when we're still debating things like if Harvey Weinstein did what he did, you know, like when you look at oh. how those convictions came back, I mean, there's yeah, there's a lot he's, going on that ain't working. Right. There's a lot that's going on that isn't working. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, how much personal responsibility we still put on women from, for everything from how they, how they conduct themselves to mm-hmm. how they dress to how, to what quote unquote situations they put themselves in. I mean, yeah, as a young person, I got myself into a lot of dumb shit. And I always say God looks out for babies and fools and I've been both in equal measure. <laughs> but it doesn't mean I ever deserved anything bad happening to me nope. under that circumstance. And we far too often have a society that plays this weird game and this weird line of, well, did she do something to deserve it? And that's bullshit. Oh, it's utter bullshit. Yeah, and we, I said, and we've been, but the thing is, in very subtle ways and very direct ways, we've been playing that game, you know, along gender lines for a long time. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, I, I worked at a boys camp. I, I talk about it all the time, but anyway. Every episode, this happens. <laughs> Every episode. That's you why mean, like, he looks camp, over camp, at me like, and I'm like, like rolling my eyes. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, okay. okay, here comes the boys camp yeah. thing. We just need to put a slot in, like, I, I have to say, okay, we're 20 minutes into this boys camp time you know <laughs> sam's boys you camp. just need a little like theme music right oh that should. you know yeah, what that's a great have. idea you a little a like the minute you do that it goes ding 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 listen i'm a producer that's yeah, what i do you know you. <laughs> thank you okay <laughs> yes you make it work for you right funny yeah. uh, right. no what i was gonna say uh is hazing so you know since this is all boys mm-hmm. uh 
hazing was a thing that when I first showed up there as at a, as a 21 year old, um, I had been there as a six and seven year old camper, you know, when I was a kid, cause we lived in Bemidji, but anyway, um, but hazing was a thing. And, and that's the, like, it's the sort of male machismo equivalent way of keeping a population of of men in check mm-hmm. for so like so some of them are in charge and they get to do the hazing and some of you are just fodder for their their game right you, you know and and when I showed up I was like Ain't, no no more hazing I don't want to hear anything about it like I was because I wasn't the oldest counselor but I was one of the older ones because you usually start when you're 18. So here I am 21 and I was just like, I can't handle, it makes me very uncomfortable when people play like practical jokes on people that might hurt them, mm-hmm. hurt their mm-hmm. feelings. So yeah. And, and that culture shifted out of there because of myself, I'm sure. And a few other people, but it was already on its way out. But uh, being completely intolerant of, you know, people, treating people in a way that makes you uncomfortable is the same thing we need when it comes to people treating women uncomfortable exactly. in a way that makes them uncomfortable. Exactly. That's, that is the focus of our work every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got, I mean, it's got to, it, it's not going to happen if we just talk about it. It's going to happen when, when your allies as men like ourselves step up and say, uh, uh-uh, uh guys. Like, See, now I have a, I have a bit of a different take on that because sure. I do think it's important for men to get involved, but I don't think right now is the time for them to get into the conversation. Um, I think what we've been doing is waiting for someone else with more power than us to come in and fix it. And what we've, one of the strongest pieces of this, as we started to build the brand was to understand that there's so much stuff we have to unpack amongst ourselves that I want us to do that work first. I want us to actively be doing that work. I want women to feel better about themselves and feel stronger about their position and change the way they think about themselves and hold each other to better standards about how we interact as women so we can become a stronger voice and become a stronger presence for ourselves and each other. And I always say, um, we're gonna change the conversation by changing the way we talk to ourselves and think about ourselves and act and take action on our own behalf. And then eventually we'll invite men into the conversation. Cause we got a lot of, un- we have a lot to unpack. We have a lot for, we have a lot of work of our own to do within this system. The system already doesn't treat us very well. I don't actually have time to do the onboarding with right now. I don't have time to do the onboarding with men to make you understand how this is going when I'm trying to help women understand what we need to understand. Yeah, about I, I understand it. I, I think that, I mean, so I do I, want your help. Well, so Eventually, I, I do want your help. Just yeah. right now, I think sometimes it's, it's got, okay to go inward and say, like, let's focus on us very specifically. So when you no, say no, I, develop the I brand, that. Yeah. Like, like, what do you mean by that? Like, the brand of your... Yeah, when we, talk, um, like when we built Matriarch, it was mm-hmm. very specific to um, an experience. The experience I was starting to have, I had just turned 40. Mm-hmm. Um, I had noticed that everywhere from, like, where I was working to the ads and things that were targeted toward me were all sort of starting to do this very subtle, but very specific cadence of like, you're not as good as mm-hmm. you used to be, or you're losing relevance or how we can help you so that you don't just become like less mm-hmm. important. And it pissed me off because I knew at 40 that I had had some life experience, um, that I still had a good sound mind and body, um, that I had it reached a maturity level that I understood what I had been through and was really comfortable in my own skin. Like, at 40, 40 was the age where I realized 
I could be 20 again. I don't want to be 20 again. <laughs> like that 20 year old me had, she might've had a crazy, you know, skinny body, but she had all these insecurities and she didn't enjoy her life. This 40 year old enjoys her whole life, even with the trick knee and the bum ankle that I have on occasion. But I knew my life was a good life. And I knew many women that I was interacting with and working with and spending my time with felt the same way. And I wanted the rest of the society around me to recognize that and respect it. And it felt like they weren't. So we, you know, I said, I feel like a place should exist where we can go be, you know, celebrated exactly as we are in the skin that we're in. Like, I think you're wonderful exactly the way that you are. It should exist. And the more people I told that to, the more people said, oh, that's a, that's a great idea. Are you going to do that? And I was like, no, somebody else is probably doing it. Because <laughs> that's one thing we're taught to. But, we're kind of taught it's not But then no thing. one did it. Well, to be perfectly honest, um, I said it enough times, you know, sort of ranting and not ranting, that I said it in front of the right person at the right time. And that particular person I said it in front of said, I actually think that's a great idea. Are you, if you're going to do that, I'd invest in it. And I promptly went home to prove to him that I didn't need investment because it, it probably already exists. And I Googled, and this is the only time this has ever happened to me on Google. I Googled Women's Podcast Network. And this is before podcast networks were a thing. This was the only places that existed were like... Yeah, they actually really are. <laughs> like, I, the, yeah. we're, we're so new to this world, we don't really Yeah, know. I mean, the infrastructure, the industry of podcasting is really growing. Like, it's yeah. growing exponentially. This is, last year was, a, like, a watershed year for podcasting. We can okay. get into all that off camera. Sure. But, um, but in particular, at this point in time, there was, like, maybe a couple of comedy outfits that were... Yeah, a lot of that ...grouped started. as a network. Um, but the term women po- Women's Podcast Network pulled up almost zero results. It was like half a blank page in Google, which doesn't happen. Yep. And then I said, well, what would I call it? And it was like, well, I want to be in charge of everybody anyway. I'd probably call it Matriarch. <laughs> right. So I typed in Matriarch and there was a trademark holding for a restaurant in DC and like a PR firm in South Africa. Sure. Um, and I was like, okay, well then I couldn't just call it Matriarch, but I made it be a media company and it'd have like an online component or something. So we called it, I said, oh, Matriarch Digital Media, nothing. The domains were available, everything was available. And I said, that's a sign. So um, I went back, um, I went back to this individual and said, hey, if you're serious, let's sit down and talk about it. And it took us about six months to hammer out a deal. And he made the investment in the company and he's still the silent investor Uh, in the company. He, he, we actually just had our annual meeting yesterday. Um, But, he he was instrumental in a, he was instrumental because he understood what I was trying to do. Sure. And he also understood that he wanted to help me do it but not in be in the way of it. So he's always told me from day one, listen, I'm giving you this investment because this money will help you get will help mm-hmm. you start to you build it. it. Yeah. 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 He goes, but I'm this is not about me. He goes, I'm gonna go sit over in this corner and you tell me what you need from me when you need it and I will support you however I can. But I see your vision, and I think you should support someone when you see, can see the vision. And he's, yeah. to this very minute, the, the company's almost four years old. He's been that from day one. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it, it can end up being, I mean, I think that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, it, I think it can end up being a little bit of an uncomfortable conversation, what I was trying to get at there. And I think Jim tries to push off of those <laughs> things a little bit. And oh, I, I didn't. Oh, you didn't notice? Yeah. It, yeah, no. it's it, something that came up with, the, I think it was Mari Friesleben, but... Um, but so I understand, I, I guess where where I'm at with it, and you don't have to fix this for me. Oh, right? yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, but because it's not so much of a question of how is someone going to help me, but I'm raising two boys, mm-hmm. right? And the the modeling that 
they're seeing from, let's just say, Washington or something like mm-hmm. that, right? Mm-hmm. So some of the role models that they're seeing are, uh, in my estimation, detrimental. So I still, as much as I want myself and, and you know, middle-aged white guys like myself need to step, step back, the reason I do think it's important that we continue a conversation or step up when we see things that aren't going well is because in the absence of us doing it, there's other people who are real assholes who will do it. And I want my, I want my boys to see, you know, I want, I want them to see what it is to be a good human. Like you say. Yeah. But see, those things don't have to happen. Those things don't have to happen with you. Like not doing anything in the absence of that. Right. It's, like I'm raising, I have a son. My oldest is boy. Yep. I have my husband. I have a dad who I love dearly. Uh, there are men in my life I, d- I love dearly. Their their role in this, as we're doing this work that we need to do, as is you're to, specifically is to, your your company. Well, or, with the or company, women. or even like even uh, you know as you know as a family and as a community, as a structure around us, um, is for them to continue to be good humans. They need to actually be doing the active work of being good humans. So my my son. Is, you know, if you ask my son, who's a teenager, if he's a feminist, it's, yeah, he's a feminist. And he doesn't sure. say it ironically and he doesn't say it like yeah. he doesn't get it. But he wants for us the same things that we want. He wants equality for his sisters. He wants equality for his mom. He wants a better world. But he also understands that part of the work that his mom is doing, because he sees me actively doing this every day, mm-hmm. is giving a voice and giving power to something that historically and systematically hasn't had power before. Women haven't had a base of power. So my son doesn't expect me, or even my husband doesn't expect me to do this in a way that makes it easier or more palatable for men, because they've what they understand it, what we're doing. What part of it more palatable? Like, oh, I get I'm, a lot of pushback from men about why I'm making stuff just for women. I get a lot of pushback on that. Uh, like <laughs> It's that idea of like getting left out of the conversation. Like they, it's like you don't actually want to be there, but as soon as I tell you you can't be there, then it's a problem. Then so you, you want to so be you, there. You right, specifically right. get... Yeah. You get feedback from men who like what want to like come on your well, shows. They want to come on the shows. They want to. Your... We have a networking group for women that want to work in the industry. And um, they don't understand that that you're that you can have that be your own. Yeah, no, it's a it's a well. You're not like that's sexist. You know that's sexist, right? Like we can't like or I get I probably almost every other month when we do the networking group, I get an email saying, "Well, you're not like." Well, you're doing this thing, but obviously I'm not invited and men can't just show up to your stuff. So that's discriminatory. And I go, I didn't actually say you couldn't show up. You're welcome to come. It's not centered on you. So I'm not going to be talking to you in the room. But if you really want to show up, I'm not going to stop you. I said, this isn't a this is not a discriminatory organization. I'm just focused on women and helping women get where they're going to go. And I would say this, the, the networking group is now going into year number three. A man has never shown up. I've even had men go get the tickets off of Eventbrite. The tickets are free. I've even had them go register so I could see they registered. They don't show up because that's not what it's about. It's not about actually wanting to get access to something. It's about the pushback of being told, no, this isn't for you. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times but, that's a thing. But you're kind of, but you are saying it is for them. It's just not for them. It's not focused on them. Absolutely. Right? I, I always like, say information like you can show is, up and listen. Yeah, information and, is free, right? Yeah. If you know, if you want to show up, I always say, listen, you want to listen to my shows? I think that's wonderful if you listen to my shows and you want to support the brand sure. in some way. Yeah. I'm not making content geared toward you, but that doesn't mean you no. won't find something universal in it because we don't we talk about things from a universal perspective. 
but the focus is on women because I want women to think better and of themselves and to fight harder for themselves and to figure out what they want for themselves. And we haven't always had the room and the agency and the space and even the, um, you know, sort of the open thinking to do that, right? I'm glad we went through this a little bit because I was struggling to figure it out a little. Oh yeah, absolutely. Listen, I'm a lot of times when you make something this woman focuses an automatically an automatic thought process is that it's anti-man or or non-inclusive of men. Yeah, and that's not actually that doesn't have to be the case, and that is not what we're doing. I and think, that wasn't actually what I was picking up. I get what you're saying. Um, what what it, I wasn't clear on so i am politically active sometimes mm-hmm. right and i'm you know a construction guy and i'm middle-aged and i'm white and so i'm supposed to be in one camp but i'm actually in the other yeah but absolutely I, but when i go to exercise my freedom to express my political beliefs i sometimes get told like you're not supposed to be here or you don't you know you you need to not talk anymore Okay, but but and hold on to that for a second. Sure, though. that idea of like when is when is it space to hold space and absorb what's going on around you versus when it's space to actually interject, like or or to add to the conversation. That's a real that's a real thing. That's a thing that we talk about a lot. Yeah, um, but even there's like, a difference. There is a difference. There's a difference between adding to the conversation. There's a difference sometimes between coming into a conversation and understanding that historically your voice is always the voice that's heard, even if it's not you as an individual. I get that, yeah. That sometimes voices that don't get heard need to be able to be in the front. And sometimes when you show up in the room and it becomes easy for you to jump into a conversation that sometimes it's just like, sometimes it's like the hold back and let somebody else do the talking. Oh, and I, and and the, the talking part isn't the problem. Yeah. I mean, so is it just the actual being included in the room? Like at, like it's, you're in the room and they go, you shouldn't be in this room right now. Yeah, basically. And, and I'm like, you know what? You're, you're wrong about that. Actually. Like I, there's certain things like you're not wrong. I can't believe people would, would contact you and tell you that your media company that you run should be run differently than the way you want to run it. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's craziness it's, to me. But see, that's my everyday. But I, that's so. Yeah. But that's what happens when when you're you ha- you put yourself out there. There's always a couple crazy people. Yeah, right. That are, but I've had you know, that experience all your life. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's I I had the same experience when I was in college and I ran the Black mm-hmm. Student Association. Yeah, I had the same experience when I ran the Student Congress thinking okay no this is for everybody and being told like well you can't do this like this right Right. and i'm like why can't i do this like this well and partially part of it's because they just were never used to being having a black girl Mm -hmm. be in charge of them they didn't know how to contextualize that well tough shit and yeah but (laughs) that becomes a but that becomes a real thing for people like you know that that life um and part of it is um so i have a theory and it actually doesn't fall on a gender line. It, it falls on a like where you slot yourself in the world kind of a line. Okay. When you meet people, and I mean, we've seen countless books and things talk about this, but when you meet people, you tend to slot them in compared to yourself. So sure. you think of yourself as like right here in the middle because nobody, unless you're an egomaniac, thinks you're at the top of the chain. <laughs> There's a few right. that think right. that, yeah. But usually you think you're in the middle. And then you meet someone, and depending on their life experience, you slot them above, below, or next to you. Sure. So you meet, you know, like when I meet, you know, other media figures who are doing much more important media things than I'm doing or much more impressive things, I go, oh, you're like here. Or if I meet like scientists, doctors, people who have like yeah, you're PhDs. you're already putting a value to yeah, these I, things in a the way. The thing you- is, <laughs> even when we don't want to, we put that, va- we sure. assign values sure. to them, right? But there's an odd thing that happens when your value to someone else shifts because you shift. 
So if so, you like you knock yourself. Were you like all of a sudden you're doing something else or you're in a different life experience and someone has slotted you guys you on the same level or below them, and now you have somehow vaulted them in their thinking. They don't usually react to that well, and when they don't react to it well, you usually get some sort of pushback. Mm. So it was I like even back when I think of my college days, I it took you know hindsight let me see that when I ran the Black Student Association. That was a little tiny organization. Right. There were very few of us. Yeah, we made a lot of noise, but most people would slot us pretty low in the chain. Okay. But the next year, I leapfrogged to the head of the student association, which put me mentally above what a lot of the students on the campus considered their, you know, their station. All of a sudden, I vaulted their station. And instead of looking at it as, oh, she's in leadership and this could be a good opportunity, they looked at it as, who do you think you are? Or you're not... you. I'm not comfortable with you being above me in leadership. And I was never above them. I mm. wasn't. I just moved down the hall to a different office. Yeah. And I took on a job that other people didn't want to do. But there's that discomfort that comes from however you decided, I, whoever you decided I was compared to your life, you had trouble contextualizing me when I changed my role. I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't come and say, oh, look at me. I'm better than you now. I just changed what I was doing for my own life. And you have to adjust. That's not my job to help you adjust. Oh, of course not. Yeah. But that's, I mean, but that's a thing that I think that happens a lot. And I think it happens across racial lines, across gender lines. I think it, yeah, it, I, mean, I think there's a contextualization with, that we have with people. We all size each other up some in some way. We right? do. And you I know? think it, and it, that's where it creates problems when you can't just say, oh, you're doing your thing in your lane. I'm doing my thing in my lane. It becomes this, like you're take, you know, you're taking something from me or you're messing with how I see myself in the world yeah. that creates that problem. And that, like I said, it, it Some it people don't play those games as much as other people. Everybody does it, but they don't realize that they're doing it. Sure. Right. Yeah. Everybody does it. I mean, it's, I think when you see it, when it jumps out, you know, when, like, so when I get those emails, you know, yeah. and it's like, I'm yeah. like, you didn't even know me yesterday. And right. now you like the, the Star Trip article came out and I got, I got some emails from people that were like, I just don't, I just don't know if I approve of this. That's cute. I don't know you. Right. I don't well, know you. somehow. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you just don't just then don't read the paper, friends. I didn't ask. Yeah. You don't have to listen to my shows. You're not going to start a media company tomorrow. We're good. We're why good. Are you running? Why, why are you reaching out to tell me? Something? I, it's yeah. Even it's that sort of even craziness. that power. But see, and I feel like that's part of what social media has done is created this weird, yeah. um, you know, veiled anonymous vacuum where you can just be the worst of yourself in the yeah. worst moment of your day. Great. Uh, you know. <laughs> directed at somebody oh. else like nobody no one who's ever sent me those emails would ever show up in person to tell me to no, my face they that they wouldn't. have a problem with this no and i i think what i what i take away from it i like i couldn't quite figure it out but i get it you, you i would your space you're creating a space where a certain thing happens yes that's your business yes and that's not someone else's business and you can create that space and allow and and really take control of and ownership of everything that sort of happens within that space right like any business owner would that's right mm -hmm. and then there are these other spaces where we have a we have different sets of rules that we have to follow and we have to figure out how to be kind and decent and inclusive in those spaces and then there's other spaces that are different than that like there, there's not just one one sort of size it just makes me it makes me crazy to think that someone would think that they could dictate to you in some way how you should run your business. I, I can almost guarantee you I have another network I have another networking group in two weeks. I can almost guarantee you I'll get at least two or three emails. That's it's Crazy. just a it's a regular cadence. If at this point I should probably print them out and just use them as wallpaper. <laughs> well let's let's use this uh, now that we've 
done whatever. I don't know. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed well, it. It once helps you got me through that. things. Now, now you've got Oof, that uh, wrapped up. Yeah. Okay. Very Minnesotan. Uh, let's take a let's take a quick break, and we'll come back for our second half. This you know. I eat. sounds like a good time. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by the Andalin app, a first-of-its-kind digital legacy preservation app that allows you to digitally attach photos, videos, and audio recordings to the places and objects you love. Imagine hearing your grandmother's voice telling the stories of your family heirlooms. Preserve your memories, prepare for the future, and share with those you love. Andalin, available in the App Store and Google Play. Visit andalin.app for more information. Need some help with a construction project? Looking for thoughtful design and honest answers about what is possible and what is not? Kinetic Design Build is a full-service boutique remodeler servicing residential and commercial clients in the Twin Cities. Design and build with purpose. Visit kineticdesignbuild.com to request a consultation. Packing for a trip? Let Pack Simply give you a little help by delivering travel-safe products directly to your door in an airport security-safe pouch. Unbelievably easy and surprisingly simple. Make your life easier. Visit PackSimply.com. Interested in art? James Holmberg is both an artist and an art consultant. His strong connections in the Minnesota art world give him a unique perspective on the talented pool of artists from our region. Let James guide you to an original work that will come alive in your home. Visit JamesHolmberg.com to find out more. All right. Do you want to go on a wilderness adventure with me, Sam? Or maybe you know a group of kids who could benefit from an extended break from their electronics. Or maybe you just need a break from those kids. Visit earthedfound.org for more information about how to get started. For information about becoming a sponsor of Legacy Matters, please visit LegacyMattersPodcast.com. We're back. We're our transitions are always mm-hmm. so. Funny. I had a <laughs> lot. Listen, into a transition. Transition. That was a long break, yeah. but I had a lot of congestion. You know, just me too. I was all the time. It was all in the ears. My, you know, and then uh, milk was the number. I mean, he was a milk drinker. I've been a milk drinker my whole life. Uh, see, I like mean, I was too, but then milk? I was then I was just done. When, yeah. I, when you're done, you're done. Yeah, when yeah. I was you drank done. glasses of milk done. too? Yeah, I mean, I was from the South. I mean, my, yeah. like we oh. would go places and we could actually get the milk where you, where you you know, swipe the cream off oh, the yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah well, yeah. they had that up here too. Yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> yeah. by the time I moved up here, remember, this was the big city when I moved up here. <laughs> right. Yeah, so. but you continued drinking milk, right? For a long time. Yeah, yeah. so did, I mean, this and is. And then I switched over to like skim and that just felt yeah, wrong. Right. But, um, but when I gave water. it all up, when I finally gave it up. Mm-hmm. It was, I just gave it up. Yeah. Like, it's, I'm it's, older than you. So. It, it's it's <laughs> remarkable though. When you, it is. That feeling, the way your body feels when it doesn't yep. feel like it's weighed down. Like I don't eat meals and feel, um, like I never get that like, oh, I'm gonna feel like I feel sick feeling oh, like because I because exactly the way I ate. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that doesn't exist anymore. I used to have terrible acid reflux. All that's gone. None of that yeah. none uh-huh. of that exists in my world anymore. I there were even small things that I didn't notice um, that other people pointed out to me. Like I used to get because I was had such sensitivity and allergy issues. Mm-hmm. I used to have like redder. My eyes were always redder. Yeah, like slightly red. 
Yep. That doesn't happen anymore. And the only time my eyes get red is if I've like been crying. Right. But that's it. It's like my eyes are my, you know, the actual whites of my eyes are clearer. Every, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my, my whole life feels better. Like, so we so started- does mine. I mean, it's a big. I mean, I still eat cheese a little bit, but I've cut way back. See, on, I can't anymore. I can't do of any of it. If I have a, if I get it even by accident now, it's a whole situation. So, it is nope, huh? not anymore. No, I'm still all right, but I've cut yeah. way back on so much stuff, and I can't believe it. Yeah, well, that's you what know? somebody said the other day. Like, what's the point? And I was right. like, I don't know. I'm trying to live to get to 150. I mean, you can't get there if you just keep eating crap. Right. And they're like, but I mean, if you're not having any fun. Well, yeah, we're we're a long lived people in my family. Like my my great grandfather lived to 107, and Jeez, most a lot, and a lot of my relatives lived to um into their well into their 90s. So yeah, yeah I mean, I got so, actually so I got you, a decent shot at it. I, yeah, oh, for like sure, it. you've got you got a I lot decided, of living still. Yeah. I started counting backward at 42 because <laughs> <laughs> I figure I you know what I actually like aging. I Do and you? I like I'm I'm one of those people that proudly like. Uh, yeah know, i'm i i project my age out there i'm i'm i feel super grateful for every year i get on the planet i mean i said sure. my mom's been profoundly disabled for most of my adult life um and she's still here and she's still fighting and kicking and you know like my thing is i got two arms two legs and a brain that works like mm-hmm. genuinely works yeah, that's like that's such like a gift a lot going on yeah i do <laughs> but it's but it's one of those things it's like you know what you only get if you're really lucky, you get one life. You yep. get one good, long, projected life. And I did spend a lot of it, you know, a lot of my early part of my life being too afraid of things and sure. too worried about things. And when you can figure out how to let go of that and just instill no wait, I still got like my faculties. Bro, go use them. Here. Like, yeah, yeah, go go use them. Go have some, you know, go have some fun. So like my birthday is in March. Okay. We're like at the end of February right now. Um, and it's like a whole... Do you get like a birthday week or like a whole it's birthday like a month? month? Yeah. Oh, you get the oh, whole. It's month. a whole production. Yeah. I just, okay. I just sent out text messages to all my friends to say, hold the date of my birthday because it's actually on a Saturday this year, and which never, you know, I never really get to indulge that way. Right. And everybody's like, "What's going to happen?" I'm like, "I don't know," but it's going to be real ignorant because we know we've got a whole day of a weekend right. to play with. So uh-huh. I'm already like, uh, uh-huh. I'm getting like the thing is, and at this point, my my friends know we're all engaged in it together. So I'm getting all these suggestions like, "We should do this," or "What about this?" And I'm like, "Well, that's I love that you've all bought into my like completely narcissistic celebration." <laughs> yeah, that's a question. A whole month. Ask. I mean, that's pretty serious. Well, I, I mean, that's okay. That's I good. well, and it's it's like. Like there are activities that are sprinkled throughout the month. And then mm-hmm. that way, pe- everybody can have an opportunity to hang out with me on my birthday. <laughs> yeah. I, you can celebrate listen, together. Right. You said it just a minute ago. You only live once. Like, why not? Right. If, if other people, as long as you're not taxing people too much and that's why the month because then it's not asking everybody to go out do some sort of crazy blowout big activity that might be too expensive some sure. people it's just like they have time to catch coffee with me so we right. you see me this month and we have coffee or we have we go meet up for drinks or we meet up with our kids and go do something but we're all getting a chance like i'm getting to see the people that mean something to me that i want to know that i want them to know i like you matter and i value you and i'm glad Life's we had another short. year together right you got no guarantees here you absolutely well not people you love absolutely not every day that your eyes open up and you can actually get up and move through the world that's that's a gift yeah. so you know thinking about that and i think about this quite a bit you know one life <laughs> you know this is it yeah right and you know you got to go for it you got to take those risks yes you do you know which is i mean so do you feel like you're maxing right now i mean do you have more risk to take oh yeah i think um <laughs> well no something some so i had a venture guy 
that mm-hmm. um, had a conversation with me, which is funny because I talk to venture guys all the time and they don't actually get what I do for a living because they sell widgets and I sell ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, the, I love you know, and that's, call them venture guys. Yeah, they, they're totally venture guys. I mean, they got a lot of money. God bless them. Somebody, somebody will benefit. It's never me. Um, <laughs> it's not but us either. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes I they- I can't stand them, yeah. to be honest. I, well, they're funny. I they're just them. funny. I love them. I, it's not that I can't stand them. It's that it, it's a- it's a different guy. Like yeah, I know a, what you're yeah, talking it's a, about. Yeah. There's a total thing. Like when you have like stupid money to throw out things and you, and yeah. you don't have to think about like, you don't have to factor in like how difficult it is for people to get access to things. Yeah, and you're right. just sitting on all this money. And you're just like, that's bo-. like, I like the first time I ever talked to a venture guy and he asked me how much money I would need. And I didn't actually know what to ask for. So I asked for a way too small of an amount and he goes, that's not interesting. Right. And right. I said, well, I guess I'm not getting that money. Yeah. So, I mean, but those like, I had a venture guy ask me once, um, so if this whole thing that you're doing here, if this thing takes off and it becomes what it's really supposed to be like, and you have to sell it, then what are you going to do with your life? Like, what, what's going to happen to you? And I said, see, what's interesting is, um, you asked me about this business. And he goes, yeah. I said, this is my first idea, not my best one. Yeah, right. And you didn't ask me about anything else. Yeah, yeah. So I said, so you made an assumption that I don't have more in me. You underestimated me. Yeah, that's okay. A lot of people do that. Mm-hmm. You'll all learn. You'll all learn. Well, right. I don't. I don't think I. Will. So you haven't maxed out. <laughs> I think not is at what all. you're saying. Not yeah. at all. Every time I think this is. Uh, every time I think, even within the context of this business, that we have hit like the grandest vision we could have for it. Yeah. Something happens, and three or four more doors open up. It's you know right now it's a it's a game of restraint. It's you know that would be great. Yes. I can't actually pursue that right now. Or that's a that's a beautiful thing that this person over here is working on. I want to help contribute to that by supporting them, you know, even, even learning to step into, you know, who I could be in full as a mentor, um, you know, and as a, you know, as a friend and as a supporter and as an ally um, opens up my world in ways that I hadn't thought about, you know, originally, like when I started this business, it was, you know, from a very small, in my mind now, it was kind of a small place. There were things I wanted for women, but there was really just things I wanted for me. Right. Like I didn't like how I was getting talked to and very quickly it opened up and I realized, you know, like I'm a conduit for something bigger. And I said, the further we get into this, it's actually much bigger than I ever imagined. Right. The opportunity with it is much bigger than I imagined. The opportunity to see where, you know, it dovetails with other people's vision is much bigger than I ever imagined. I I'm involved in stuff right now that I wake up in the morning. I go, you've got to be kidding me. I bet you are. Like this is, this is my actual life. You know, like I, um, I have two sisters and very close to my sisters, but my, my baby sister, I talk to every day. And sometimes I will catch myself talking in sort of the old speak of like, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why they're talking to me. And she says, you know, stop that. Look at all the stuff you're doing. Look how far you are. Look how far you've gotten in this. Like, look what you did when nobody thought you could do anything. Everyone told you, no, you're not going to. Yeah, I mean, honestly, before, um, like, maybe six months before I got the radio job, I tried to get a part-time job at Starbucks. I was a stay-at-home mom (laughs) for, like, almost 13 years. Yeah. And I did not get a, I could not get hired (laughs) part-time at Starbucks. You're not not Starbucks material. I'm screwed. (laughs) I remember going home to my husband going, I'm screwed. Yeah. And he's like, well, what are you, what are you going to do? And I was like, because I needed to get, you know, our our kids were all in school. It was time for me to get back to work. And I said, okay, well, I'll, you know, maybe I'll just go, like, be a parent at the school and get on the school schedule. Or, listen, I, I don't. 
I'm not ashamed of work. I'm not ashamed of hard work or work yeah, that you do that takes good. care of yourself. I had, um, I have a, uh, there was a man that was in our life that was like a grandfather to us because both of my grandfathers passed by the time I was four years old. Um, he was our Uncle Frank and I loved him. I loved him dearly. He's, God rest him, he's not here anymore. But he told me once when I was 18, my first year home from college, and he said, um, and I had, like, I couldn't find a job. I got home like later than everybody else. So the only jobs available were at Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> and I was like, I do not want to work at, oh my gosh, I can't work in Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's so embarrassing. And he said to me, if the work is not illegal or immoral, you should always be proud of being able to do the work you need to do to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So go do that job and do it proudly. And I went and I worked at Kentucky Fried Chicken for the summer. I mean, full on, like pull the grease off Mm -hmm. your arms at the end of the night worked. Mm -hmm. Um, And I earned enough money to pay for my books for the next school year. And I was very proud of what I was able to do. And I've never lost sight of that. Like just he's he's absolutely right about that. So, you know, even today, if it's, you know, there have been points in the business um, when uh, when we were building the business, I always said we don't use house money. So I've never used any of our personal income or you know my husband's income or the money we've saved as a family toward this business it was go make a way oh i think and if i I messed up yeah and if i couldn't (laughs) yeah if i couldn't do that there wasn't worth doing you know it was like you know and the i said even the initial investment that we took um you know from our investor was very very small like it was really enough to buy equipment and have a little tiny nest egg to be able to like Mm -hmm. peek around the corner if something was about to happen Everything after that was hustle. It's like go figure out, you know, go get go figure out who's gonna pay to be a sponsor. Go get the production house up so that people that want to make podcasts that need help, we we provide that. So we have a production oh, sure. house on top of everything else. Yeah. You know, it was it was always a like, you know, for us it was always if I can't find a way to do this and it doesn't get done. Yeah. And I would never put anybody else in a position of you know risking their money or you know or wasting their time and energy you know like it, i'm gonna figure out how to get this done so did you get sponsors right away we had one sponsor <laughs> we had one sponsor yeah. yeah we had a big we had a big level sponsor right away um jim strangely uh, enough well okay well no that was funny yeah so, that was funny so it was a medical show so it was a medical mm-hmm. firm they weren't totally sold on the idea of working with us um and they said okay you can come in and talk and so they gave me 30 minutes on St. Patrick's Day that happened that year to be on a Friday. That was how much time they were going to give me to come in and make a presentation. And, I, and everybody's like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, don't, why are you saying sorry? I'm good at one, I'm, I'm good at one particular thing. I yeah. can talk until your head nods up and down. <laughs> I will take that 30 minutes to make it work. And so we went in and I pitched them. And at the end of the talk, um, the the person who was really in charge looked to the left at the person who brought us in and said, I take it she doesn't hear no very often. <laughs> and the, the other gentleman said, no, she does not. And they sponsored us outright for two years. Wow. Yeah. And, and to be honest, the amount, the amount of money they paid to sponsor us outright for those two years was enough to finance getting three other shows off the ground, which is what took us from like a one show entity to a four show network boy could we use your help (laughs) (laughs) we get you can talk to me after we're done i I have consultation as well right you know i mean that's impressive though super i mean i mean it was it was a big it yeah that's a big deal the the thing for us and the thing for me personally turned into i had always believed that when people said oh you find something you love to do and you'll never Mm -hmm. work a day in your life i was like you guys are so full of shit it's nice it must be nice to have money like i i just didn't believe it um and i have i have happily been eating crow ever since i started this job um it's 
I'd, I'd never had a career. I'd never had like a path or a trajectory I was on. I just worked to survive. Yeah, I worked to pay bills and I worked to survive. Um, and I was happily out That's of the workforce. So yeah, it is. Yeah. It's the mm-hmm. way that most of us have to get through the yeah. world. Yeah. And I was super fortunate that my husband was the career guy and on a path. Um, and so when we started having babies, it was like, if you want to hang out with them, you can. And I was like, that is so cool. Thank you. Yeah. This is the best job ever being their mom. And I still say to this day, as much as I love my work, the best job I have is being my kid's mom because they're just fun. And I just get to, I get to be with them. And I didn't take that for granted for one day. I, I loved doing that every day. And the shift that I was able to make to get into this company and do this work really came from two things. I had, I had been in this like strange almost time out of time instance. Cause when you're a stay at home mom, the one thing everybody does is ignore you. So you can kind of do things the way you want to do them. And you can kind of figure out like, you can actually figure out your own voice in that space. I had lived a life before my children of being worried about like what you think of me mm-hmm. and how do I look to people? And, and I, like, I don't want people's feelings to get hurt and I don't want to upset anybody. Like I was mm-hmm. living, I was living very much a outwardly projected life where everything, all of the validation and all of the external things existed. And then I had these humans and I got to teach them how to be humans the way that I would want people to treat me as a human and how I want to treat each other as humans. And something magical happened in that, like a little button turned on that was like, I will not suffer anything for these kids in the world, right? All the things I would put up with, they cannot put up with. So I had to live a better example so that they could see a better example. And that built up a very specific muscle. So when I started to engage with the real world again, you know, and it was like, oh, I need to try to get a job. You know, oh, I need to, you know, do this. I I had this new wellspring. Like I had, I really had this internal thing that was like, okay, well, you know, what other people think of me is none of my business. Right. It's actually my life model. That's it's my actual life model now. Is what other people think of me is none of my business. <laughs> but it start it it opened it opened something up. So the opportunity for the radio station was just like such a weird fluke that once I. You know, I, I started to realize like very specific things that there aren't people that are lucky in the world. There's just, you work really hard mm-hmm. and when an opportunity presents itself, you're absolutely ready to execute when somebody needs something from you, um, which I didn't understand before. I just thought my husband was the luckiest man alive. No, he just worked really hard all the time. So when something popped up, he could just say yes. He didn't have to this hesitate. This is sort of the eternal question sometimes though. You know, what, uh, who is it? I can, Guy Raz asks at yeah. the end of yep. every, every yeah. show. You know, uh, luck or, or skill or whatever. And I always, I, I think that's, I don't think it's an interesting question. I, f- I find it funny that he answers or asks it at the end of each one now because mm-hmm. it's like, now you know it's coming. So someone, they've always got these like they're all elaborate responses. Right, they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, yeah, they've thought so deeply about <laughs> yes, it. Yeah. 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 And, and it, but it's like, we talk a little, a little bit about like the guiding hand of the universe sort of pushing things around yeah i do believe in that i say all the time that once you're on the path you're supposed to be on and you embrace it in full because i think it's not it can't just be that the universe happens to you you have to decide i want more for myself right now i'm ready for this thing you have to align yourself yeah when you say i'm ready for it now like and genuinely mean it it feels like it genuinely feels like the universe moves itself to help you it move it moves things out of your way and this business has been a complete this whole trajectory path i've been on has been a complete reflection of that when i said i was ready to actually invest in myself 
Yeah, when you were, when when you weren't so externally concerned with yeah. what people thought of you, I think people can reach that point. Kind of, you know, it, it's it's the yin and yang of of how things happen. You can reach that point by either like gaining confidence and just becoming more internally, you know, kind of aware of the internal dialogue that happens with that other voice that you talk to, and mm-hmm, how mm-hmm. you get those two to be in alignment with each other, where where this one's not telling you you're piece of crap all the time and stuff Mm -hmm. a hundred percent i I always phrase it as i have when i I absolutely became myself yeah i didn't becoming my children's mother was the gateway for me becoming myself and full yes and And that changed all things yes and then there's another mechanism where you where which which people often make uh like feel-good stories out of where it's like someone's been beaten down so hard by everything that they give up all pretense of of like there's something in in kind of relinquishing any fight left in you and any armor that kind of lets you come out the other side. Yeah, it's like that phoenix rising from the end. Yes, mm-hmm. and, and that mm-hmm. story, I think that gets used to make people feel good. When, like, oh, look, you know, this guy, <laughs> this person did great after after being treated poorly for their entire lives. Like, right, it's, yeah, that, oh, well, great, it's that overcoming thanks. story. Yeah, yeah. like, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. But I do think it can kind of... It can kind of be born of both things, or maybe they're yin and yang to each other. Like, like finding yourself and having that honest dialogue with yourself means sort of like wrestling with whatever it is, no matter where you come from, that that keeps you from just liking yourself enough to accept it all. Yeah, there's a there's everybody has something in them that holds them back, and you have to figure out what that is yeah you got to figure out what that is and how to and how to lay it down or forgive it or love Mm -hmm. it i mean um a big piece of it yeah i mean a big yeah a big piece of it for us is um and it's something we teach our kids is how is that you because it was something i didn't realize i do um i always thought i loved unconditionally but that's not true you know and yeah yeah, everybody (laughs) does everybody loves with conditions if somebody's not performing the way you want or reacting the way that you want you put a limitation on what they can get from you or what they can receive from you. And something I, what I had to realize is in order to really love something or someone unconditionally, you have to love them exactly where they are in the space they're in at that moment. And you have to love them until they get where they need to be, not where you want them to be. Yeah. And that's tough. Like that's, that is not an easy thing to do, <laughs> right? That's not an easy thing to do. And love I didn't realize. Easy. Love's the hardest part of, you know, well, yeah, but, but they make it sound like it's going to be easy, but it's not easy. Well, but, but I mean, part of it is effortless. Part of it, like the the part when you when the part where you let your brain just like wallow in it, is effortless. It's when we start putting all the conditions on it that it gets sure. hard, right? And if you can, when you can, when you get to that part where you can see it, where you can really see, like this is what I do, and this is not what I want to put out. And I didn't actually realize how much of my life was consumed by how many like grudges I was holding and how many scores I was keeping and how it was, you know, how many individual tallies I was marking all the time because I wasn't loving people unconditionally the way that I said I was. Um, And it like being able to release that sort of released one layer of it. And then the second layer of it sort of started to open up when I realized that the standards quote unquote, I was holding people to were just easy ways for me to judge you and ju- sure. you know and put myself in a, a vault of position so like at matriarch we have a no apologies for life policy 
Um, and no apologies for life. <laughs> yes, and it's twofold. Apologies. Yeah, yeah, it's twofold. Okay, it, I was already thinking about these things, and I was already thinking about like how, what kind of a, you know, what kind of leader do I want to be in an organization like this? Because I wasn't, um, I was always a leader who was either a reluctant leader or a leader who had to lead in the face of people having a problem with my leadership. You know, like I had to lead from behind instead of in the front because you felt uncomfortable or threatened by the black girl that showed up to lead things and it made it easier to just make it seem like it was your great idea not mine you know to get leadership things done um and i didn't want to do that with my company this is my company but i also wanted to figure out what kind of leader did i need you know when i didn't Mm -hmm. have somebody um and i started remembering that i like there's that sort of that like weird you know small voice in your head that's just always going like the thing that makes us apologize for everything, you know, like I like once I bumped into a coffee table and I apologized to it, and then I realized what I was about doing. This I, it drives me nuts. You walk through a door and someone everyone's apologizing. Yeah, you're just like, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Yeah, like, yeah. no, don't. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. So what I realized really quickly is, I mean, especially because we were building a mechanism, where we worked with women all the time, and we worked in non-traditional time frames. And we had to work at the sort of leisure and access of women who had children and families and jobs mm-hmm. and responsibilities and people they were taking care of and themselves had to take care of. And I, so I'd always sort of level set when they came in. I said, okay, listen, we have a no, no apologies for life policy. And they're like, what does that mean? I go, that means if you're scheduled to record with me and something happens and you can't make it, mm-hmm. you don't call me profusely apologizing. Yeah. You text me and go, hey, this thing came up. I can't make it today. Yep. That's all you have to say. We'll figure it out, right? If it's a pattern, I'm the boss. I have to sit down and talk to you about a pattern. Right. But 90% of the time, it isn't a pattern. It's just something happened. Your kid got sick. Don't mm-hmm. apologize to me for that. Go take care of your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you're, you're, having, you know, you're having women trouble today. Trust me, I work with all women. We all have women trouble. It's okay. You don't have to apologize for that. It's you were five minutes late to the call or 30 minutes late to the meeting because of a traffic thing. Don't apologize for that. It's just life. Life will happen. Are you safe? Are you secure? Are you okay? Then we'll make all the rest of it work. And it has fundamentally changed even how women show up to work with me because they don't show up thinking I'm upset with them or that they're going to be in trouble or that they're going to have to worry. Right. They're safe. Yeah. And that's, that's part of what we need to, part of being able to do this work because it's such vulnerable work. I ask women to come in and sit in front of a microphone and share Everything from things that make us laugh to things that profound things that have happened to them to profound experiences that they've had to really vulnerable soft spots in their in their soul. I have to create the the safest environment possible for that to happen. Right. Like you should be able to know that you show up and you feel better when you leave us. You know, you should feel you should feel good about this experience from top to bottom. How are you going to feel about that experience if I'm nitpicking you every, like, oh, you were five minutes late. I can't believe it. You waste so much of my time. Oh, my God. Get in here. We have to get to work. We have to get to work. <laughs> yeah. That's. Guilting people. Yeah. That's yeah. just, uh, it's just gross. Yeah. It's I've gross. Run I mean, that's an interesting thing, though. I mean, I find myself even apologizing sometimes, you know, like, you know, having to, you know, hey, this happened. One, two, three, you know. And then it's like, oh, actually, I could have just said. Hey, I can't make it. Yeah, where you try to justify it for people, right? Right, because no one even cares. Yep, you know, isn't that the isn't that the crazy part? Right, no one does care. We say that all the time about the audience. I I tell people when I'm teaching them about the mechanism. I'm like, listen, 
you should you should know something really clearly up front. The <laughs> yeah. audience does not care about you. They don't right. give one shit right. about you. No. They yeah. care about what they get from the experience of being here with you. Right. What does it do for them? That's mm-hmm. all they care about. And that's not a knock to you or that you're not interesting or that you're not oh. fun. It's just that's not what they're here for. They're here to get something that they need. If you're not providing it, they're going to go find it from someplace else. Right. Yeah, so we're not the important ones. No, we're not. We're we're a vessel. We're a vessel with that's, you know with context, but, but they need something, and they're looking for us to get it. Yeah, yeah, that's why. That's why I was saying earlier that I like I like letting people poke at me a little bit mm-hmm. uh, when I'm not fully understanding things, so that I'm I can kind of do that for someone else who's listening. Absolutely. I can, you know, I can f- either feign a little ignorance or even can just admit my ignorance and let it you know because whatever yeah that's i mean but that's how people i mean that's how we learn and that's how we grow yeah and the more safe spaces we create for that the better right yes because that's kind of how we all Mm -hmm. i mean we're all i mean like i said i'm i make it i have a women focused women-centered company but we're all in it together right right? that's that's how this whole thing is gonna you know resolve itself in the end so i think i i am actually very hopeful for our future i i think that oh i am a thousand percent yeah you would not you would not think you know i have um, I think people underestimate how much power we have, how much power one person has to make things different in the world. I mean, I'm living proof of that. Yeah. I'm living proof of what happens when you say, I have something I want to contribute. I think it can be helpful. I'm going to try. And it's, you know, it's working. And if it never gets bigger than this, it's still worked for a lot of people. And if it does mm-hmm. get bigger than this, holy shit, look yeah, what we did. It's going to get bigger. Right, look yeah. what we did. Do you it's know great. how big your audience is right now? I mean, I do. I don't talk about those numbers because sponsors like those numbers. Oh, They're sure. proprietary. But we're um, we're very, we like from the fact that we grew from zero recognition mm-hmm. um, till now, um, it took us a while to figure out the mechanism because we, yeah. we basically had almost all of our talent were people who had never done this. I purposely did not recruit media talent. I mm-hmm. recruited people I thought had strong voices and things to say. Sure. Um, and then we went about building a mechanism for them to be able to say it. Um, but even we've been surprised at how sure. much we've been able to resonate in terms yeah. of like within the state, within a re- like I, we've been sort of going like, if we can get this many people in the city, great. Yeah. And then it was, wait, if we can get this many people in the state, holy crap. Yeah. You know, so like <laughs> right. we're, we're at the point now where our focus very much has been like, how do we grow within sort of this regional area mm-hmm. and then figure out how to take that mechanism and replicate it in other areas. I have a very particular focus on the middle of the country, not just the Midwest. I think mm-hmm. from the top of Minnesota to the bottom of Texas, people don't pay attention to what's happening here and the voices and the stories right. and the experiences. The coast have their spin on yeah. what we are and who they think we are. Oh, and they, yeah, the coasts. Well, and they control the mechanism. And so if you, if you add, I mean, the thing I'm competing against as a media company is essentially threefold it's the coasts yeah mm-hmm. they have their that. own thing going yeah, on they sure and do. they're understanding and they've built the mechanism of how these mm-hmm. things get made it's who traditionally runs the structures that dictate what we talk about in the culture mm-hmm. and those are actually dictated more by newsrooms than anything so if newsrooms are at the top of the chain and 80 what what is it 80 percent of all newsrooms are run by um by men old white men and actually that and i and i tend to actually (laughs) think that i I know that number is deflated a bit yeah it's Um, pretty high yeah it's actually (laughs) higher than it's actually it is higher than that 
Um, but if say just for example, 80% of the newsrooms are run by older white men, mm-hmm. they dictate what news goes on the news that we see on a regular cadence dictates what's talked about in the culture, and then ultimately what's talked about in the culture dictates the entertainment that's totally. made. And so all of those entities are by and large controlled by white men who live on the coast who have, you know, a significantly high income and they have to deign what's important for everybody else to learn about so that's right we don't mm. get entertainment about women or people of color or differently abled people or or lgbtq experiences yep. unless it comes through their filter and they decide that they're okay with us talking about it right now right. then what do we get then then we get you know the table scraps and in, in terms of the entertainment that's made for us or the content that's made for us and one of the reasons i love podcasting so much is because it is all of us grabbing microphones totally plugging them in putting our experience out there very specifically and in different and interesting ways the industry now is starting to develop nuance so we're not just making one thing it's not just two guys talking to each other in front of a mic it's everything from you know solo podcasts to monologues to you know chat casts to audio dramas to i mean we're making There's some great stuff. We're making there. things now, right? We are, we're getting nuance and nuance is going to be the thing that helps transform this whole thing, but we're still in control of the mechanism, right? Yeah. I can't go make a TV show tomorrow, but I can go make a podcast today. We right. joke about this because it's like in a certain way, it's, he says tune in at the beginning of, you know, thanks for mm-hmm. tuning in at the yeah. beginning of each yeah. show, right? It's like, it's like bringing back kind of old timey talk radio in a certain yeah way. it's like the radio it's like the radio serial yeah mm-hmm. it's like without yeah. without needing to be told what exactly you should be talking about or how long you should talk about it or who's going to be talking about it oh yeah the audio producer basis. thing well see that's funny because that was a mechanism i didn't understand at first um i i used to work in radio um and the station i worked at didn't have it it wasn't dictated to you so okay talent were producers Ah. so we actually had a lot of freedom to go like do what you craft the stories Mm -hmm. there were things they told us this is how you hit on stories and here's the philosophy of how you should approach stories so you're not just talking about any old thing but we had a lot of freedom like i would meet other people at other radio stations and they would go what do you mean you have to go plan for your show and i'm like i have to plan for like we're doing two hours live radio on saturday and i have to you know you have to plan yeah i I gotta put the show grid together and they would go oh no that gets handed to us and i'm like what and they're like yeah we have like segment producers and when we show up this they just give us the pile and this is what we're talking Uh about and they highlight where we're supposed to emphasize and i'm like there are people that do that for you so i mean i know i know deep down that that's a gift that i wound up at that particular station yeah having to learn to do it that way because i walked in the door automatically being treated like a producer so then i understood how to curate content and i understood how to talk about um directionality that's one of the first things they teach you when you come in is like how to talk about a conversation see like okay so i love teaching i love teaching directionality it's my favorite thing so think of it this way so and i'll pose a question is maybe the only time you ever hear this uh question being asked um Let's talk about the Kardashians. How do you want to talk about the Kardashians today? Oh, God. Right. So, and I use them, and they're the best example because everybody does the same thing. They roll their eyes and then they think there isn't anything to talk about. But if you, well, but in reality, I know nothing. Now, see, in the reality, there's about 500 ways you could talk about them. Absolutely. Everything from them as a family, their dynamic, their business relationship, their relationship with their parents, their sibling and step siblings, their individual businesses, their spouses. There's all these ways you can go. Yeah. That's a whole playing field. Directionality is you pick one path and you go down that path, right? 
it's 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 essentially GPS of a conversation. Yeah, I get it now. You start here, yeah. and to, in order to get from here to there, you have to stay on this lane. Mm-hmm. So we need to, and there's nuance within that lane, but you need to be talking on that lane. It's one of the most important pieces that you learn when you do radio work, and it's one of the things that you can tell immediately when someone's listening to a podcast that they don't understand. Because when somebody, I meet so many people, they're like, "Oh yeah, I do a podcast with my girlfriends, and we just talk about whatever." Right. And I go, "Whatever is a bad decision. (laughs) You need to decide." That's what we do, though. No, we don't actually. It's uh, and I'm sure this is probably life and legacy is what we try. Probably from again back to camp, but um, of course. Right, right. I'm just gonna hear the music. Uh, Yeah, we have a we have a producer that works for us, and one of our shows, um, the host literally says in the record, um, "Production gods, when this part comes up, I'd love it if we could hear like the soft sounds of the ocean." And it's always a joke, except our producer's fantastic. So by the time we get the we get the audio back and we listen to it, we go, "Oh my gosh, the the ocean!" Yes, yes. So you just need to like find somebody to give you a little theme song. Mm -hmm. You're just gonna cut it right in. No, it's the uh, it's the guiding though it's like we don't we don't have a particular topic that we rehearse or talk about beforehand but we do the shows tend to the points get made in a clear way and the path you know it, it you do actually end up getting somewhere right but that's directionality you yeah. know you it know where you're trying you know where you're trying times. to go though so you yeah. sometimes it reveals itself and sometimes you judge it so that it reveals itself yep. it but that's edge. that's truly what that is and that's yeah. and it's a all right i get it now. yeah it's yeah it's not a it's not a skill that sounds every, confusing it sounds harder than it is directionality yeah, yeah but a lot of people work. just don't <laughs> understand that it's you know it's really just being thoughtful about the conversation you want to have yeah, you know, right. at the end of the day, right? Yeah. Pushing through on some some direct path. Well, on yeah. that note, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, since we have uh, we have, you know, we've top, talked talked uh, about most everything that I would have hoped we could today, and Yay. this has been uh, really interesting to get to know you. Well, thank you. Um, so it's. It should be clear if you have listened to this show. It should be clear how to find you, and and there is Google, right? But Twyla Dang, what would you like to tell people if, how to find you? Yeah, if they how what, to find where, information. What should people go do right now if they listen to this and they're interested? Um, you should go to the website. So we have a website, matriarchdm.com. So m a t r i a r c h d m dot com. As in digital media. Yes, as in digital media. So that is our website. Um, We have shows that are made by and for women. Um, Anyone is welcome to listen, as I've said before. Uh, But we'd love to have you come and like check out the community, check out what we're doing. We have um, seven shows that are currently on air. No Um, Yeah, um, we have like 12 more in the pipeline that somehow I'm going to get made before (laughs) the next six quarters are done. Yeah. Um, uh, And we also have a networking group. So if you're interested in podcasting at all, um, if you're a woman and you're interested in the industry, you want to get involved, you make things now and you need some support because a lot of people just can't get feedback when they're making things like podcasts. Um, We actually run a networking group called Women in Podcasting. It meets second Sunday. That's straightforward. Yeah. It meets the second Sunday of every month, um, downtown St. Paul. Uh, There's information at the website for it. um, And it's free. It'll always be free as long as I'm in charge of it. um, Because I just want more women working in the industry. And I want more women to get support who are in the industry. Podcasting isn't easy. And we all know that. Where are you meeting in St. Paul? Uh, Glenn Nelson Center. Yeah. Yeah, downtown St. Paul. Yeah, we did a million cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, That's a nice place. Yeah, they just took that space. We just took over one million cups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, Oh, that's, that's why it's no longer there now. 
Yeah. Oh, that's right. And, yeah. and that's, there was a studio in the center of that, I saw. There it. is. I work out at that studio oh. the majority of the time. Well, oh. we know where you're at then. Yeah, then you know exactly where I live. Yeah. That's, yeah. That is where I live. Um, yeah, one of, one of many spaces. Space. Yeah, one of many spaces that work out of. But yeah, so if, you're, if you want to know more, that's, that is the best way to reach us. Um, I'm on social media everywhere. I'm just Twyla Dang. I like my name. So I use yeah. it. I like um, it too. Me too. Um, yeah, that's nice. And then Matriarch Digital Media is a presence on all social media as well. So um, if you look up Matriarch Digital Media anywhere, it should pop up and tell you everywhere you can hang out with us. So um, I say all the time, come come, hang out with us. You are wonderful and amazing exactly as you are. We'd love oh, to meet you. Very nice. All right. I don't think, uh, I mean, you'd, you'd got that down. Thank you. That was I do. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm good for like an elevator pitch. <laughs> yeah. So, like you it. seem to know what you're doing. I, know, I don't want to talk now. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. This was a good time. All right. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We love comments and feedback, so go ahead and let us have it. If you'd like to learn more about Andalin and other legacy projects, visit the website at andalin.app or kineticlegacy.us. Take care.